the whole Christmas season, you know, the sort of anticipation of Christmas, you know, we call Advent, um, you are probably, you know, you have a list, and you are checking it twice, so to speak, and you are deciding which people you can neglect on that list this year. Like, really, does it, do I have to buy that person a gift? Can I tolerate them badgering me for the rest of the year? Like, you know, hey, I really got you something. You didn't get me. Can I tolerate that? Or do they just not deserve I mean, you're trying to figure out at this point what you should do. You're trying to figure out plans. You're, um, you know, you're, maybe you're tired of the Christmas carols on the radio station all the time. Maybe you're tired of Mannheim Steamrollers, you know, Carol of the Bells again. You know, like, oh, this is so great. You know, it's like, no, it's not. We've heard it a lot. <laughs> yeah, maybe you're kind of tired of it. Maybe there's in some, in some part, for some of us, the, the family drama is on the rise. As we get closer to this most joyous of all family gatherings, maybe there's some drama that's rising. I prayed with a, with a couple after last service who are just saying, we're really, you know, we're, we got all kinds of family stuff. People are threatening to not show up, and my, you know, mom is 87 years old, and people are abandoning her. It's just like this big, you just go, gosh, family stuff's, and we start getting to this point where we go, are we losing Christmas? I mean, really, what Christmas is, what is Christmas really all about? Because there's so much stuff we have to take care of that Christmas itself begins to get obscured. And we've been trying to get over the past couple of weeks, and you know, next week Doug Fields will conclude this series with us, so it would be a great time to gosh, it'd be a great time to bring your friends and stuff like that as well. But we've been looking at it over these past couple of weeks. It's really what is Christmas all about? Because it's so easy to lose Christmas. Christmas is so many things, but we want to try and bring it back into focus. So before we get into today's message, let's uh, let's pray and we'll get into it. Jesus, we are, um, we are in need of a redirect about what Christmas is about, even if it's a little small way. We just need a little bit of a redirection about what Christmas is. There are so many things that we're trying to take care of and so many people we're trying to please and so many things that are overwhelming us. And Jesus, we need a redirect. For us, Father, a lot of us in our lives are confronted with this reality like Christmas has become a thing which is to be dreaded. Father, might you restore it to be something beautiful? Some of us wander in here today, Jesus, needing one thing. To know that you love us. We have been holding on to a doubt about whether that's possible. We've done some things we regret. We have pasts that we wish we could undo. There's things we wish we could have not said or people we could have not wounded. And we need you and we need to know that we are loved. And so Jesus, as we pause for just a moment each week, as we get a chance just to pause for a few seconds of silence, might you speak to us, Father, in the words that are beyond words, that are through your Holy Spirit, would you just give us a moment to speak to us about that? Today, Jesus, might, um, if anything, might we have a little bit or even a big bit of a better picture of your love for us today. Whether or not we believe it, might we just get an understanding that it is your intention to love us deeply. In your name, Father. Amen. 
Um, well, if you want to pull out your, uh, your outline that came in your bulletin, it's a little folded piece of paper, you can follow along with the message. If you want to follow along in your Bible, or maybe you brought a little device to follow along, we're going to you can kind of start in, in 1 John chapter 4, but kind of book in the message there. We're going to be kind of all over the place in the middle there, but I promise I will land the plane at some point before Christmas Eve. Uh, but, um, but as you're doing that, I was, I was talking to my son, my six-year-old son, uh, this week, and um, we had a conversation about, you know, I just go, hey, Scotty, we're, we're, we're in our basically I, the best way to describe it is like the dad chair you know it's kind of a leather ours is a fake leather chair makes you sweat kind of awesome in it but we're sitting there my son and I are snuggling there we're kind of hanging out and um he he I just go hey Scotty what's what's uh what's Christmas all about and he pauses for a second and you know I'm like okay you're the pastor's son your chance to shine it's just us but I just um, just go for it let's go go big say Jesus you know just say it you know just go for it and he goes you know what it's about Sharing and caring. No, not aw, he missed. It was like a short, it was a total air ball. It was a brick. I mean, he was like, what? Sharing and caring? And I'm like, and I'm like, you know, I didn't say that to him. I was like, oh, I said the oh, that's that's wonderful. We've watched a lot watched a lot of Disney Christmas stuff where it's like, you know, the spirit of the season is all about sharing and caring. And that's what we're all here for. And it's like, okay, well, <laughs> we're gonna dial back the Netflix for the next couple of days here, I guess, maybe. Uh, but he goes sharing, and I go, no, 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 no. Um, Okay, yes, that's really important. We want to be those things. Those are really important things. I hope that you're sharing and caring. That's great. <laughs> oh, gosh. And I go, no, I, this is my own fault. I just go, so, but, but who, who's, who's Christmas all about? And I, my head, I'm like, don't say Santa. <laughs> and he looks at me with full confidence in his face, seeing my own, probably reading a little bit of my, like, don't you dare. But reading, he just goes, Santa. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, gosh, we have so much work to do in our house. And, you know, some of you, are, I know, some of you tell me, you confess to me that you just, you confess to me things like, you know, my kids, they don't totally know about the Bible or Jesus, whatever. <laughs> Santa, I, I just want to give you, they live with the pastor, okay? And so I go, no, there's like another person that's kind of important to Christmas. <laughs> and, he, you know, I'm like, we just read a story about that. And he's like, ah. Oh. Jesus, like that kind of confidence. I'm like, yes, oh, I love you. You're the best. It's so great. So good. Jesus, you said it with such confidence. Like you knew that was the answer. Way to go. All right. Who wants candy, right? Now, then he asked me this question. He goes, well, why is Christmas about Jesus? And I, Now, he's a kindergartner, so I have to figure out how do I explain this Christmas to be, I mean, to a, to a six-year-old, like, here's, how, here's what it looks like, you know, I'm like, thinking of all these terms I know that are going to be completely unhelpful for him. And he's kind of going, you know, Dad, why, do, why, does, why, does his, why is his birthday such a big deal? I mean, other famous people have birthdays that we celebrate, we have, they're on our calendar, we can think about those things. It, you know, if it's kind of interesting, too, if you think about, I mean, like, the, the celebration of Jesus' birthday, the party is so completely overshadowing like the person now. It's, the party's such a big deal, we kind of forgot that there's a person at the center of it. And you think about people who get national celeb- like celebrated birthdays, you know, Martin Luther King, this is like, you know, leader of the civil rights movement. I mean, it's like, he, he has a little phrase that goes, there's just like a little handle that goes with him. I mean, the President's Day, which was, you know, really just established for, you know, really George Washington, but it includes all the presidents. You know, George Washington's the first president of the United States. You got Lincoln, you know, and he's, he's, emancipating the slaves. You have all these little handles. You got Columbus Day for basically for Columbus being a 
really bad navigator. <laughs> you know, like, oh, hey, it's the West Indies. No, it's not. It's, a, it's, the, it's the Caribbean. I mean, you know, like, that's he, like, he's kind of got a day. And if you had to sum up Jesus, if you had to give him a handle, like, here's what it's all about. Here's why Christmas, here's what Jesus is all about, why we celebrate his birthday. It's really, you could sum it up. And if you can't get this right, then everything else we talk about at Christmas or about Jesus, we kind of lose. It's this one word. Love. Love. And I'm reading this story to my son. Again, I'm trying to explain to a kindergartner what that all looks like. And I'm reading this story, so I, I can't take credit for this phrase, but it was so, I, I was like, this is, this is how I should have said this when I was talking to him about Christmas. It's this. I got this from a book, children's book. God sent his son to show the world what his love is like. Is that the simple? That's such a great definition. God sent his son to show the world what his love is is like. Now, there's lots of ways we could talk about Christmas, but I'm just going, this is a great way to build on what Christmas ought to be. God sent his son, Jesus, to show the world what his love is like. Now, we have lots of questions about what that looks like. We have lots of understandings about all of that stuff, but I'm like, that's the great place to start from. What does love look like? Well, it looks like, looks like this person, Jesus. Here's how the author, here's how John, the author of 1 John, cleverly titled, writes in the fourth chapter, verse 9, he says this. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. How, how God shows us his love, he sent his son that we might live through him. That's how God showed his love. Now, love's kind of a, a, like, kind of a bizarre word. I mean, there's lots of things we use to descri- we use love to describe them. I mean, we love Chipotle burritos. I love, I love burritos. I love, you know, it's like I love, I love, I love my college football team. There's people here wearing. I saw some like pro football team jerseys. It's like they love their team. They love them. They love Peyton Manning. Love that guy, right? You know, there's the, there's the love of hamburgers, love candy, we love Chevy Silverados, we love, we love Rice Krispies, whatever. We love all these kinds of things. And so we have this weird thing about love. I mean, maybe you guys saw the video. I mean, it's like 30 million hits of this girl who, this young woman on, on eHarmony who, who just, she's recording her, her, she's trying to describe herself and she goes off on probably a minute and a half about how she loves cats. You know, it's just, she's crying. I just, I love all the cats in the world. I just want to hug him and snuggle him. I just love him. And she's like falling apart in this video. It's a, and, then she, and then she kind of concludes it. She like bookends it with, and I also like running or something like that. Like, wait, what? I mean, what? I mean, I, I've cried about cats just because I can't stand being around them. And they cause me to have allergies and I tear up and I can't see. But, I've, but there's people who love, there's how she shows her love for the global population, the global community of cats and cat lovers is this video and, and God has this way of showing to us how he loves us, and it's by sending his son. Now, when my kids, and every one of you, every one of you did this when you were a kid, high school students, you all did this too. You might still do it. I still kind of do it too. When you were a kid, you did it. Your kids do this. They, they take this phrase, which is, I want you to look at this with intensity, is really the definition of this phrase, and they contract it to just be, look it. Mom! Look it, mom, mom, look it, look it, mom, mom, look it, dad, dad, look it, dad, look it, dad, 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 look at this, dad, dad, look it, look it, look it, look it. And they, they stomp their feet. They're like 
It's like you cannot give anything less than your full attention to someone who's yelling, look it to you. Because if you kind of go, yeah, I saw it. And like, look it, look it. I'm looking right at you. I'm looking at you. Look it, look. I'm looking. Show it to me. I, I just, look at this chip. It's shaped like a triangle. Thank you. And I, you know, and they're, I mean, they're threatening to like stab the dog if you don't look quick enough, you know. Look it, look it. I'm going to, I see you. I see you. That's wonderful. You scribbled on the paper. That is, gosh, kindergarten such a great moment for you. It's so great. I'm proud of you. And. I looked, I looked at it. It was so great. Now, you would expect if God is going to give you a depiction of his love, that God would have a more magnificent, more beautiful, but no smaller version of look it. And it would be kind of on a cosmic scale. There would be smoke. There would be a cool little drum intro with a cool guitar solo, laser beams, maybe a lit stage and like, look at this. Super Bowl halftime show, right? Here is God's spectacular entrance into the world. The sending of his son to rescue the world looks like this. Maybe you've seen this before. It's the most popular of all Christmas verses that Charles Schultz Schultz uses in the Peanuts gang. Here it is. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. You've perhaps heard this passage. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. Remember, one of the key markers of the appearance of angels is fear. So if you ever encounter someone who's like, you know what, I, I met an angel. There's so it was I met an angel. They helped fix my tire. It was flat on the road and stuff like that. Well, were you terrified? Nope. They were just really handsome. No, then it wasn't an angel. Okay, it's just a really handsome person who was kind. Okay, not an angel. They're always scary, evidently. Okay, because then look, verse ten. But the angel said to them, "Don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people." He says, "Don't be afraid," because he's scary. Right then. Today in the town, of, the town of David, which is Bethlehem, a Savior has been born to you. He's the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Okay, that's kind of the big laser beam light show we get. Now, in this passage, you get phrases that are used at this time that are common to people at this time, only they're not about Jesus. The phrases that are being used here, things like Savior and Lord and good news, these are all words that accompany one of two things. The birth of a Caesar, a Caesar who is called Son of God, Savior. Or an announcement about Caesar coming to make a visit. And when Caesar comes into town, the emperor of Rome, right? When he comes into town, there are parades. There is the laser beam light show. There is the smoke in the lit stage. There are messengers that run ahead to tell everybody, get ready. Caesar's coming. Good news, which is gospel, or you know, that's where you get the word gospel. It's called the gospel of Caesar. Good news, the Lord, the Savior, the Son of God, Caesar, 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 is coming. So when you see this language applied to a, a person, everybody's thinking the supreme royal authority of the known world. And the way in which it's now described is this little tiny baby who's going to be born with the animals. And the messengers that are going to kind of herald his coming are shepherds. Now, we don't have shepherds. I've never met anybody who was like, you know, uh, I'm like, what do you do? Um, I'm a shepherd. I've never met anybody who's, I'm like, wow, that's interesting. That's really cool. Do you go to school for that? Or just, do you know, AA? Or do you have to get a full bachelor's degree to be a shepherd? I mean, there's no, I never had a conversation with shepherds. But let me tell you what this looks like. Generally, this is a person who is a younger person. Probably, you know, most cases, it's the youngest person of a family who takes care of the sheep. 
So it's not an old shepherd out there, but it's some younger person who lives with the sheep. They sleep next to the sheep. They, you know, if they get cold, they just roll a sheep onto themselves and kind of stay warm with the sheep, right? If they, they, they smell like the sheep, they look like the sheep, I'm sure at some de- degree, they are, they, they, these are people who are living constantly with sheep. You have to imagine, this is someone who's a complete necessary evil in this society. In a lot of ways, you can imagine, it's like this, the way a lot of people treat immigrant, immigrant workers, like, well, we need them, but we don't really want them around. Like, that's the way, that's kind of the attitude about shepherds. And there's this sense here, if you're going to herald the coming of a king, the one who would rescue everybody, all that stuff, all whatever that, you wouldn't use a shepherd, but the, the angel appears to shepherds. It's kind of this weird thing, which means whatever this picture of love is going to be, it's going to be vastly different than any kind of picture of power and conquering that might have ever been there before. I mean, it's way different than Caesar. It's just going to be different. I read this passage last week with my daughter. Some of you might have seen the compass note that we write, but just check this out. This is Matthew chapter 1, verse 20. Here's some kind of details unfolding here. An angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. This is Joseph. Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you're to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what had... uh, to fill what the Lord had said to the prophet, this is the guy Isaiah, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had, co- had commanded him and he took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son and he gave him the name Jesus. Now, let me stop right here. So at our house, I mentioned this in our little compass note, we send it every week. <laughs> we have this, my my wife, Amanda, has got this, like, giant printed-out Christmas tree advent thing that she made out of, like, it's like, she saw, she saw it on Pinterest. Some of you guys are familiar with that cult. Uh, but, <laughs> saw, saw it on Pinterest. <laughs> that costs us, it's like, here's how to do things that are really cheap that will cost you every penny you own. <laughs> Nevertheless. <laughs> she has this big advent calendar, has little pockets, it's so cute, there's, like, candy in there and a little Bible verse, and <laughs> we're reading this. My daughter's like, what's this, what's this, Dad? So I'm reading this. She goes, what's that mean? consummate their marriage and I was like so Jesus named Joseph named him Jesus isn't that that's like so cool I was like the most awkward moment like we're just going to go ahead and skip that um for now and you know I'm glad that we decided to make that a verse we're going to focus on but in any event (laughs) Jesus gets a title and a name so you're going to see that probably that same passage at Christmas Eve. If you're you know, here with us, you bring some folks, you can prepare them that that's what we're going to see. You know, we probably won't talk about this part of it. But anyway, but um, he gets a title and a name. The title is, one of his titles he gets, is Emmanuel, which means God with us. They have it in the parentheses there. Emmanuel means God with us. That God is not just far away, he's with us. And then you have this other point that he's going to be named Jesus. Jesus is a word that means God rescues or God saves. So it says he'll be named Jesus because he's going to save his people. Now, there's this hope and there's this belief around the time of Jesus that when Jesus, this, this person, God's anointed, which is the word Messiah in Hebrew and in Greek, it's the word Christ, <clears throat> the Lord, when, when, uh, when this person shows up, all of the oppression, all the evil, all the stuff we've been facing, it's going to be dealt with. And God will usher in his new kingdom order, armies will be conquered freedom for everybody, it's going to be great news all the time, that's what's going to happen. And so they... 
And the way it would be known is that God would now be with his people. He would dwell among his people, and everything would sort of work out. And this person, this little baby named Jesus, God saves, is supposed to be the person who is bringing that all to bear on the world. These people are hoping for their world to be different because they've faced oppression. They've faced all kinds of evil and abuse and neglect. Like, now we can be saved, and yet it doesn't happen the way they planned. You can't really blame them at some level because, you know, God's rescue, whatever he's trying to do here seems a little bit incomplete. Yay, God's with us. Why are the Romans still torturing us? Are they still taxing us? How come Caesar's got his good news every so often? Isn't this supposed to look a little different? Isn't this supposed to be something that looks different? Because God's people are accustomed to waiting, and now people are starting to say, there's this person who's come. It's God. He's with us now. Isn't that so great? He's going to do everything we'd ever hoped. But we're waiting too. Some of us are waiting a long time. In our own lives, we have this sense of like, okay, God, if you're really the one who's supposed to rescue, we'll get on with the rescuing. It's been really hard. Maybe just the season, maybe for an extended period in your life, maybe there's big, huge gaps of pain and sorrow that have been in your life for a very long time, and you're going, God, I need you to rescue. And so we wait. It almost seems like what God did in Jesus I mean, because we could say there's definitely some moments where God is breaking through in some powerful rescuing moments. People are giving up addictions. Addictions are being broken. Sometimes marriages that are on their last leg get restored because of Jesus' work in their life. People who are angry become compassionate. People who are backbiting and gossiping become people who have, encourage, have words of encouragement. People who are greedy become generous. We see God work in some ways, but we also still live in a world that's pretty cruel and pretty difficult to live in. It seems like what God did, he didn't finish. Whatever he might have done or is doing, it's not finished. And that's exactly right. You see, what God did is he inaugurated something really great called the kingdom of God in Jesus. But that work is not yet finished. It is not yet done. So we see moments of God breaking through and powerful, miraculous things. This is one of the things that trip people up at the time of Jesus. They're like, we see you doing these things. You wrote you raised the guy from the dead this guy Lazarus and you've healed people of blindness and sickness and disease but they're still the Romans and we still have this pain and suffering and what's going on God began something that he has not yet finished and it will be finished someday and so we are also advent people like the people of the first century we're waiting for God to finish the work he started and in the meantime we go God we just prayerfully need you to intervene to do something that we cannot do on our own so we have the church to support us. We have people around us, but it's still so, so difficult. And that's us. The world is still the world. It's still cruel. And there's this picture, though, we still have to wrestle with. First John 1 John 1.9, this is how God showed his love among us, that he sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. Continues on to the, second, the next verse, verse 10. This is love. So if you're wondering about the definition of love, Here it is. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son. We have a fear. We wonder about what it means to love God. We wonder that maybe love is about me doing some things that are really great so then God can love me and trying to avoid the things that I shouldn't do so that God, you know, so because if I do those things, then God will stop loving me. But here's what love is. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us. It isn't just simply that we're so good at loving him that he can then return the favor. It's that before we even started loving him, he loved us. 
And he sent his son for us. Some of us have grown up with the impression that it's about us kind of getting a ladder or sort of a moral you know, sort of grid we put over our lives. And if we can do those things, then everything's going to work out and God will love us. Well, that's not what it says. It says, you know, obedience is a response to God's love, but it doesn't make his love happen. God's love is not contingent on our ability to be awesome. He loves us. You know, there's, um, the, the, the verse kind of continues a little bit, and it's going to get a little funky here. I'm going to explain some terms, and you're going to go, okay, where are we going? I promise it'll make sense, but just, just bear with me. Here's what it says. The, the rest of that verse, this is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Now, I want you to imagine I'm sitting with my six-year-old son, explaining, hey, it's God, you know, this is Christmas is, and Jesus is basically a way for, for God to show us what his love looks like. Great. God sent his son to us, you know, to show us his love. Then to go to this verse. This is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son. And I can't use the phrase to a six-year-old as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. That should clear it up, right? Go to bed. You know, like there's no really, like it doesn't, that's a pretty tough phrase, atoning sacrifice. We get the idea perhaps that God could love us first. That might be hard for us to get our arms around. We get maybe that he sent his son, maybe, but the atoning sacrifice is kind of a weird phrase. And I want to kind of break that down just a little bit. So here's what this is. First of all, I want you to understand something. When we talk about God's love for us, it is that God, in three ways, God came to us in Jesus to be with us, and that, that is specifically for us. You with me? To us, with us, for us. It's on your outline. I put it there. I want you to remember that for this for like rest of Christmas. Remember that. To us, with us, for us. Now, I want to explain wh- why that's important, why you have to have all three. Years ago, I'm in college, just a few years ago, a couple months ago, I was in college, uh, and I'm, I, my, my mom comes up to visit me, and she's like, hey, let's go out to dinner. I'll take you out to dinner, which is what all responsible parents should do to their children who are in college, is take them out to a dinner that's not, you know, hot dogs and macaroni and cheese, okay? Because that matters. Um, so we, she, you know, she goes, let's go to dinner. We go to the Hamburger Hamlet in Brentwood, and um, she writes, my, my mom, after a moment, she kind of freezes. I'm like, what's up? You know, like she kind of has this, real, she's like, she grabs a, the sugar packet and writes on it, is that Magic Johnson behind you? Now, I, I'm a lifelong Lakers fan, even today. <laughs> really, I still love the Lakers. And some of you have abandoned them for a much shinier team in the same building. But I never liked you guys anyways. But, um, but she writes, is that Magic Johnson? I'm trying to figure out, how do I look back there? You know, how do, he's, she's like, there's an arrow on the thing. How do I look back there and see him? So I'm like, how do I just dump, I just dump stuff on the floor. Oh, I dropped everything. Oh, it's Magic Johnson. Now, I, I mean, now it's, like the, it's like a big moment for me. This is a big deal. You know, I'm like, this is, he, this is the first, like, probably sports star that I recognized and knew. I mean, I recorded his, his last, the, the all-star game from 1995 where he scored, like, 25 points. I mean, I, re, I remember, all, I remember, like, Magic Johnson's a big moment. And I want you to understand, Magic, this is a big moment for me to be in the presence of Magic Johnson. But Magic Johnson did not come to the hamburger hamlet to be with me. (laughs) He did not see me look at him and go, it's Jeff. Oh my gosh. This is a big moment for me. Can you sign this for me? Can you sign my napkin? I'm going to take it home and frame it. You know, like, well, do you want to make it out to Magic or Irvin? How would you like me to sign that for you? I just, I, I do this all the time. I mean, you know, he didn't say, oh my gosh, you're a sophomore in college. I know you're going to do great things. You know, right now, I don't know who, but you're, I need your audience. He did not come there to be with me. He was in the same room as me, but he didn't come there to be with me. 
Now, I want you to switch this a little bit and bear with me for the analogy. I know it's a little goofy. But imagine that I, I turn and my mom writes, is that Jesus behind you? So just bear with me. Some of you are like, Magic Johnson and Jesus, I think might have been the same thing. So I know for some of you growing up, you might have not sure about that. They're not, but just in case you're wondering. But imagine that Jesus, and I turn around and go, oh my gosh. And then he would go, he literally would turn around and go, oh my gosh. It's you. I'm so excited to see you. I have, I have so much to tell you. My, can I sit at your table? Would it be okay if I just sat with you guys for a little bit and just kind of hung out? You know, and just we had a little, would that be okay to have a conversation? I noticed we're a little, running, a little, little, running a little low on beverages and, you know, I, I'm kind of good at handling stuff. I don't know if you heard about the wedding at Cana. It's like I turned some water into some Anyways, how old are you? Okay, you're only 19, but your mom maybe. Anyway, but anyway, like how can I, what, you know, like I just, he's, what, what can I, how can I talk? What, what do you want to talk about? Man, it's so great to be with you. There's so much I want to show you and teach you. I want to be a part of what's going on. That's the difference between the Magic Johnson moment and Jesus, which is I came to you on purpose to be with you for you. And I came for you to be this thing called the atoning sacrifice. Now, when we talk about love, we cannot talk about love without sacrifice. Because there is no love without sacrifice. There is no love without sacrifice. You can talk about how much you love anything, but if you're unwilling to sacrifice for it, you do not love it. What John says in his letter, Jesus is the atoning sacrifice. God sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice. And that's a weird word, like I said. Let me break that down a little bit further. Here we go. This is from everybody's favorite book of the Bible, Leviticus. So... <laughs> But there's some brilliant stuff here. And this is all the atoning sacrifice language comes out of the book of Leviticus, and I'll show you what this looks like. Aaron, this is the high priest. This is God speaking to Moses about what's supposed to happen in worship, particularly on this one day, this day of atonement. And he says this, Aaron is to offer the bull for his own sin offering and to make atonement for himself and his household. Meaning, so there's the word atonement again. Aaron, the high priest, is going to go in and have, some, have a moment with God, so to speak. That's a rough paraphrase. But... Uh, He's got to get, make sure his own life and his own family are set to do this, okay? Then he's to take the two goats, which are mentioned in the previous verses, and present them before the Lord at the entrance to the tent of meeting, which tent of meeting is just the tabernacle, since you heard that word, or the word, you know, eventually become the temple. He is to cast lots for the two goats, one for the Lord and the other for the scapegoat. If you ever heard the term scapegoat, this is where you get it. It's not a made up, it comes from this particular chapter of the Bible. Check this out. Aaron shall bring the goat whose lot falls to the Lord and sacrifice it for a sin offering. Meaning that's, that's going to be offered on in a number of places, but it's ultimately going to be given, uh, offered in this place called the Holy of Holies. It's going to, there's this kind of bloody moment. I know, stay with, stay with me. Okay. Verse 10. But the goat chosen by Lot as the scapegoat shall be presented alive before the Lord to be used for the making, for making atonement by sending it into the wilderness as a scapegoat. So now here's what I want you to understand. Here's what happens. Aaron makes an offering. The high priest makes an offering, covering himself and his family. And then he goes into this place. He, sack, he, he t- by lot means they, like basically it's a flip of a coin, roughly. And he goes, okay, he's got two goats. One goat's going to be killed, and that blood will be spilled. This is, I know it's really graphic. It'll be as an offering to the people, or to God for the people. And the other thing that he'll do is he'll place his hands on this other goat called the scapegoat, and he will pray, confessing the sins of all of the people and placing them onto the goat. 
Then what he'll do is he'll send the goat with bearing all the sins of the people and he will put it out into the wilderness and it will run out into the wilderness to be killed. In the wilderness, it's not like, it's not manicured Ladera Ranch wilderness. <laughs> it's desert harshness. That means that the goat doesn't have, doesn't have a chance of living. In other words, the goat will take away the sins of the people running into the desert. So, when you see this term, this idea of an atoning sacrifice, it is then that there would be this person, Jesus, who takes on himself, if you're with us last week, he takes on the role of the high priest walking into the most holy place. He is both the sacrifice being killed and he is the scapegoat taking the sins of the people away from them. Now, that is God's love for us, to us, to be with us and for us. The word atonement roughly means to take two estranged parties and make them a unity, a making of one. People are separated from God because of this thing we talked about last week called sin. People are separated from God from sin. And the only way in which people and God are made to be a unity again is if something is done with their sin. And this is what is being said in John and Leviticus. Jesus is the scapegoat. He is the sacrifice. And he takes the sin of the people away forever that they might be one with God. Jesus has established a unity of people. Oh, Brent, I jumped ahead. He's established a unity between God and people. This is more than anything else. You have to understand. Christmas is one, it is a, Christmas is love. And love is a person, Jesus. Who gave to us himself that we might be with him forever. Now, a couple times, even this passage you have that, um, God himself is just named as love. God is love, verse 8. God is love, verse 16. You have this phrase. And it comes at a great sacrifice. And then there's this thing where we receive this love. And then all of a sudden there's this, uh, there's this responsibility upon us. What do we do, people that have been so deeply loved? Dear friends, since, this is verse 11, so God, uh, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. God, who has so loved us at great sacrifice, loved us so we ought to love one another. Verse 12. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. In other words, if Christmas is about love, God's love that comes a great sacrifice, the way that story is made known is through us and our ability to love. Now, some of you, you only need to hear one thing. You only need to hear one thing. You have lived with some kind of belief about God that he does not love you. You have dragged a history into this room that you're afraid if it got found out, that maybe you even have a sense, God's probably a little bit ticked off that I'm here because I'm not supposed, because this is for people who have their, their act together. We say this all the time. This is a place for people who are trying to figure it out, who don't have their acts together. And maybe what you need to hear is this. You need to be made aware that you are loved before we do anything else before we start taking any start you know getting everything else ready for christmas you need to hear from me from the bible which says god so deeply loves you and it is not contingent on your ability to love him whatever you do god will still love you 
gave his life for you. Now, the moment you get your, your like, mind around that idea, which may take the rest of your life, but however we can kind of begin to approach that idea, we start thinking about this. You, because of love, because you are loved in the person of Jesus, are sent into the world to love. Remember, it is God comes to us to be with us, to be for us. What I want to suggest to you is we're about to come up against Christmas where we're going to find people that have really messed with us, who have not done some stuff they should have done. We're supposed to be all together and pretend like it's all nice because these are family people who are supposed to be great. There are people who are neighbors, people that are around you. There are friends who have betrayed you. There are those kinds of people around you. And you're wondering, what am I supposed to do? Perhaps God is sending you to them, to be with them, to make a unity with them, to make one to bring back together what has been broken. Now, I want to be absolutely clear. I do not think that is easy because there is no love without sacrifice. Who is God sending you to? To be with? To be for? The most surprising person probably in your life is the one God's sending you to. The one you're going, it's not that guy, it's someone else. That's the one. What we're going to do is this. We're going to get a moment to pray. We're going to respond together with some songs, as we always do. We had such a great response from people last week when we asked people to come forward and just receive a simple blessing. I, I went to a Catholic high school, and, and they didn't let people who weren't Catholic, you know, receive communion. If you grew up in the Catholic tradition, you know this, and I wasn't Catholic. So I wanted to take communion, but they wouldn't let me, which I was kind of like, you know, Christian rebel guy at a Catholic. I mean, I don't know whatever, you know, whatever. But what they did was they said, if you just want to come and receive a blessing, you can just stand, just stand right here in the priest. You kind of do this. Some of you guys go up and you just go up like this, and the priest will put up, you know, pray something over you. And I like that at sentiment. And we kind of tried it last week as a little bit of an idea. I thought that was kind of a, kind of a cool thing. And, and here's what people, come, what people did is they came forward and they just stood. There's a simple prayer prayed over them. It wasn't elaborate. People could pray longer if they wanted to, but sometimes you just need someone to speak the thing you cannot say over yourself because it's too hard. It's this right here. God has come in Jesus to be with you because he loves you. Some of us, we only needed that. You just need to read it. That's all you needed. You're good for the week. Others of us, it's hard to even see that, but you need someone to speak it over you. There's a person who came forward last service for prayer, only spoke Portuguese. This is the father of one of the guys who's here. Guy came forward. Of course, our, our prayer team, although very skilled, does not know Portuguese. Just put a hand on him, prayed this sentence over him. God has come in Jesus to be with you because he loves you. And the guy burst into tears. Somehow, when people put a hand on us and speak words like this over us, something in us changes and God uses it. And some of you need that today. You don't have to tell the whole story, but you need to come forward and just have someone pray that over you. God has come in Jesus to be with you because he loves you. So let's pray together and you can come forward for some response. Lord Jesus, God, we need love. We have lives that are difficult and hard. We have relationships that have been sabotaged. We have great big fears and we have very deep loneliness. And Father, we're grateful for the love that you've already shown us. This love that gets repeated over and over again in the Bible that says, I love you before you did anything to earn anything. So Jesus, we know there are people in our lives who need that love too. Father, as we come forward to receive just that blessing or as we come forward to write a prayer in the prayer wall, 
but just to respond in singing. Might your love be made more abundant and more clear to us that you came, that you sent your son in Jesus to be with us because you love us. Hear our words as we sing and as we pray. In your name, Father, amen.